A message from our sponsor, Pivot Lending Group, Littleton, Colorado. Pivot Lending Group provides a tailored mortgage lending experience with strong local builder and realtor relationships and customized loan services. We pivot to help you grow in your community and realize your personal home ownership goals. Visit us at pivotlending.com. This is David Olson with Pivot Lending, and today I am here with Mitch Friedman, also with Pivot Lending out in Colorado. That's right. Mitch is uh, creating a series, educational series, uh, that are they're just going to be kind of snippets, three, four minutes or less. We're kind of excited about going through some of the 101s of lending. And today we're going to visit about first-time home buying, the, the facts, the fiction. We're going to do some myth-busting. Mitch is uh, one of our top producing agents. His um, clientele... A wide variety of first-time home buyers, all the way up to third and fourth-time home buyers. Uh, I know, just have uh, again visiting with uh, Mitch o- over the last year or so in, in different um, events that we've been at, car rides that we've been on together. You can really see, Mitch, you're genuinely excited about this piece of it. You know, helping somebody getting in, you know, getting into their first home is 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 more exciting than you know ha- having somebody buying a four million dollar home i think at times you know i can just kind of see it in you so let's let's kind of jump into that a little bit yeah no i appreciate that and that's truly how i feel with all my clients uh in making sure they achieve what they're looking to accomplish however there is a longer learning curve with first-time home buyers that is really exciting to be a part of their lives with that um, only because one, oftentimes I feel like they could have never done this mm-hmm. just because they didn't know what they could do. Mm-hmm. And two, when we get to that final closing day where we used to all show up together at the closing and now it's either virtual or on a, <laughs> well, lately we've been doing <laughs> FaceTime closings. Mm-hmm. We kind of do the the FaceTime handshake and hug and, yeah. <laughs> and congratulations. And yes, and yeah. uh, you, know, you can't, you can't see wet tears coming down their face because they're so happy, but you can see the tears and uh, just the elatedness that they have with getting to that end result. Buying their first home is great. And and to me, the, the total goal is making sure they know how they got there. Right, right. You know, we, you and I both heard so many people say, you know, I did this before. This is my second home, but I have no idea what I did. Right. I totally. really wasn't sure. I just know that it worked out. Right, right. And I got a garage door opener. That's all I know. Exactly. And and really what I wanted to say is I understood how I got here. I understood why I chose the loan program I ended up with. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful that everybody walked me through it and took the time to get there. Mm-hmm. And that to me is really a huge accomplishment for what we profess to do in our industry and what we agreed to do in our licensure. We took an oath that says we will make sure we can help our clients understand what they're doing and they can afford it. Yeah. It's great. It's a, it's a really fun, fun experience. And sometimes they're a little more challenging, take more time or more handholding. But that's, again, what we're here to do, along with people who are buying the $4 million home who said, look, I don't need you to show up. Just make sure the money shows <laughs> right. up on my day of closing. Yep, that's it. And that's okay, too. Everybody has their, their needs in that respect. So let's talk about some of the, what we'd say, maybe the myths of, of, of folks that are applying for the, that first time home 
when it comes to down payment, when it comes to credit and employment. Those are kind of three big topics that seem to come up and then maybe touch on, you know, what you can get approved for and maybe what's responsible. You know, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to be uh, house poor, right? Just because somebody's telling you can get approved for it. So let's jump in, uh, maybe down payment, start with that. Certainly. And, and I get this question probably every time uh, with someone who's never owned a home before. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, the comment is, you know, Mitch, I really want to buy a home, but I don't have 20% down. That's my understanding from what I either heard from my parents or I've heard it from other people mm-hmm. that we need to, we need to come up with that kind of cash. And in reality, you don't, or they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a variety of programs that could be as little as no down payment or a 3% down payment for a traditional conventional Fannie Mae loan or the FHA loan only requires a three and a half percent down payment. And if the client is a veteran, then there is no zero down payment required. Um, there's another program called USDA, which is a zero down payment. And so there's a variety of options that are very good loan programs that are would help provide uh, a small or no down payment to a first time home buyer. And that's the most exciting piece that starts because they say, oh, my God, I had no idea. Right. Let's keep talking. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. So we get to the next step. Now, I know in some of the communities, you know, in, in I know like here in Nebraska, there are down payment assistant programs for different counties and cities and that sort of thing. How is that in, in, in Colorado? I mean, are there uh, the, those programs? There are. There are two very popular programs. One is called the Colorado Housing and Finance Authority, which is better known as CHAFA. Their acronym is C-H-F like Frank A. And then the second one is called the Metro DPA, Metro Down Payment Assistance Program. Both provide a second mortgage as the actual down payment amount. Right. So the buyer does not have to come out of pocket. They are, they are borrowing it. But in borrowing it, there's no monthly payments on those seconds. So it's called a silent second mortgage in the, in the lingo of mortgage banking. We, uh, we have the, I, I think a lot of the states have those. Ours is NIFA, uh, Nebraska Investment Finance Authority bond money. But very similar to the same thing. Are there Are they income-based there? I know Nebraska, you, you, you can only have such a, your income- you can outpace your income on those programs and not qualify. Anything like that? It, it's exactly like that in Colorado. So it's eighty thousand uh, dollars maximum income for doing a conventional loan as with tiding with the down payment assistance money. Okay. And with FHA, it lets you go up to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Perfect. So it, it, there's flexibility around it. When it comes to employment, that that seems to be. Um, questions that we get all the time, you know, I'm not two years on the job or just out of service, just out of college. Can you kind of walk the audience through some acceptable employment situations that might surprise folks? Sure. Um, Most common is people graduating from college. So oftentimes uh, a newer first time home buyer said, Hey, I just graduated six months ago. I got this great job out of college, but I know I don't have a two year history. I happen to have gotten employment, thank goodness, in my line of studies that I received my degree in at, at college. Then we are allowed to use their college time to accommodate that two-year history. So they do not have to be truly employed for two years as long as we can document, one, they went to school and they graduated. We get their uh, transcripts and or diploma. 
do there in the same line of work, which is makes it easier to qualify for. Mm-hmm. And we are, and it, we are allowed to actually use the income that they're earning from that job. There's no delay. We don't have to worry about waiting for 12 months on the job or anything like that to use current income. How about folks that are, um, maybe they have two jobs over the last three years. They don't have the same job consecutively for two years. Is that a problem? It's not a problem. Um, ideally, we like to see the job changes remaining in the same industry or line of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not a requirement. The The intent is that they were gainfully employed for at least a two-year period without any large, as we call, gaps of employment. So if someone worked a job for one year, it took them two, two weeks to a month to find their next job. That's a short amount of time in between jobs. That is not a problem whatsoever. And we'll use their current income and salary. But if they had a, a nine month or 12 month gap of not working, then we have to establish what the reason was for that to see if we can continue to use their current jobs income. Credit coming out of school, coming out of the military, coming out of uh, high school after a few years have no credit. So uh, can you talk us through how you would look at that non-traditional credit role or a borrower that has uh, none of the three repositories are reporting on them? So one of the more popular uh, options is using the down payment assistance program. They will look at a loan with no credit for sure. Uh, Usually it's under the FHA home loan program, Mm -hmm. which is the Federal Housing Administration. Uh, There's the most flexibility there. We do have to create credit for them, however. So it can't be no credit and truly nothing else they've ever made a payment on. We do have to find other sources that would be considered credit that just doesn't appear on a credit report. So, for example, if they've been paying rent, if they have utility bills, they have cell phone bills, Mm -hmm. could be a, a dental bill, a medical bill, things of that nature. That's credit. It just doesn't show up on your traditional credit report. We have to establish that and um, show that in the file to to create a credit history in that example. I've heard that a lot over the years. Uh, people, I, I don't have any credit, you know, I just, and then I'll say, well, sure you do. You have non-traditional credit, you know. Exactly. And then be, before you know it, they're showing they're responsible by making those payments um, over time. And that no, works out well. Um, recently had two clients who bought a home with their parents, uh, brother, sister, each bought their own home. And neither of them had any credit, but the parents did. And as long as the parents co-signed, which they did with them, mm-hmm. we were actually able to use the parents' credit and income tied in with the children's income who had no credit to qualify for a traditional Fannie Mae or a conventional loan. Nice. Um, so there, there's a lot of different ways and twists and turns to make that work, even if you don't have a traditional credit history. Let's go the other direction. Let's talk about what uh, prevents you from getting a loan. You know, as I see, you haven't purchased a home before and you're not ready to purchase home today, but you're looking at it from, okay, maybe a year from now or two years from now. What are the things you can do to help yourself make it easier on yourself to get that approval down the road what are the things you definitely don't want to do? No, that's great. Cause we, we talked about the do's and don'ts of the mortgage industry. Right, yeah. And that, that is, that is the path. You can go left and you can go right. <laughs> the right path is uh, do not buy several cars on financing. Mm-hmm. Do not over in debt yourself, but you can definitely set yourself up. And, and it's an easy analysis that we do and help our clients with. Uh, I do get a lot of, calls from people more and more, the, more and more these days from a lot of younger buyers who say, 
I want to position myself to be in the best position strategically yeah, right. to buy a home when I'm ready in the next six to 12 months. Right. It's been very, become very popular. So uh, one, kudos to them. Yeah. And two, uh, we can help gauge that planning by a couple things. One, talking about really our four pillars of the mortgage industry. Let's talk about your work. How long have you been doing it? Are you going to maintain and keep this job over the next six to 12 months? And do you have any raises coming up? Two, credit. Uh, we just mentioned credit is so important to maintain and keep it the way it is, if, if possible. But continue to use credit. Some people come in and say, I'm gonna, I won't buy a home until I pay off all my credit cards. Mm-hmm. So I have no debt and I'm going to stop using my credit. And that could be detrimental because eventually if you continue to stop using credit for over six months, you no longer get a credit score. You've actually put yourself in a, uh, you've hindered yourself with the ability to purchase a home just by stopping using your credit. So we do have to guide them to use it, just use it responsibly and pay it off every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third piece is saving cash. I was going to say cash is king. Cash is important or not because we have no down payment loans <laughs> yeah, that, now. That's true. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's good for emergencies. To have <laughs> a little less. That's right. Reserves and emergencies. Yes, that's what I'm talking um, about. And you, and you do touch on an important part and that is having money left over in reserves. Yeah. However, we do talk about um, do they have 401ks that they can either borrow against or liquidate? Can they get gift funds over the next several months? Um, there's a variety of resources that they can access to getting money to buy a home that, that a lot of people don't think about that they can do. Mm-hmm. Some people have Bitcoin now that we can they, they can liqu- liquidate, mm-hmm. looking at it being at thirty-two dollars to $40,000 for Bitcoin now. So there's a lot, of, a lot of ways. So cash being the third item, and then the fourth item being their monthly bills and just kind of keeping those in check. Kind of back to my other comment where people think they have to have no debt to qualify for a home. Mm-hmm. And in reality, you can have debt and still qualify for a home loan. It just can't be excessive amount of debt. Mm-hmm. And there are percentages of income that we use. Our, again, lender lingo called debt to income. And that, that means how much of the borrower's income is being utilized towards a new house payment and their other monthly bills that would show up on a credit report that we have to use for qualifying. And the, the goal is to keep that at 45% or less, ideally. Ideally, true. I, I know, you know, just having been in the industry for going on three decades, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can get approved for the loan, you know, there, and you have to really think about it responsibly because if, if 45% in that debt to income ratio is a $1,000 monthly payment, or say it's a $2,000 monthly payment, and the investor will actually allow you to go up to twenty eight hundred dollars uh, by compensating factors on your on your application. Doesn't necessarily mean you should take the twenty eight hundred dollars, you know, unless you have something that's in in the in your near future that's going to adjust your income, right? Exactly, and and there are oftentimes additional income that is being earned that we're not taking into consideration for yeah. the new home loan yeah. and getting them approved. So we do talk through all those different. Uh, resources they have um, because again going back to you know we've taken an oath we have licensure that says we will look out for our clients and make sure they don't become over indebted mm-hmm. so that they can no longer afford and keep their home and that's something i take very seriously and share that with my clients mm-hmm. uh, we always give them their ceiling so if a client qualifies for a twenty five hundred dollar 
mortgage payment, we'll let them know that, Mm -hmm. but they really want to remain at $1,800 to $2,000 a month in their payment, then that's where we want to scale to that number. Uh, But it's good to know they have some wiggle room when they're out looking at homes with their realtor to determine, can can I qualify for this property when I'm ready to make an offer? Speaking of offers, when you're when you're at that point, you've approved them. There's a pre-qualification and then there's a pre-approval. Can you kind of talk to the audience about each of those? Explain the differences. Sure. So in the in the marketplace today, being as strong as it is, we always shoot for the pre-approval first. Mm -hmm. However, sometimes a client or, or prospective client will call and say, I'm talking to more than one company, so I don't want you to run my credit but it would be very helpful to give me some feedback based on verbal information that I can provide to you. And so the verbal information being income, monthly bills, credit history, and money available to buy a home, that would fall into more of the category of being pre-qualified, of which we can't hang our hat on the that because they're not approved. I don't have a credit report. I don't have bank statements, tax returns, et cetera. So one of them is a little bit more loose and it's more on verbal conversation. That's the pre-qualifying. And the pre-approval is as if we are needing to close their loan the next day, we could if we had to, because we knew they were ready to go and they met all the parameters. And in this market, you must have a pre-approval to rent, to make an offer. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that, that, that makes a lot of sense too, even for the, the buyer, they want to make sure that, you know, everything has been uh, uh, verified and, and, you know, you're waiting just for the appraisal, the title and uh, a few of the, the loose ends. Yes. And it's a way for us to clarify because sometimes um, buyers have income that they forgot that they've been earning, but they didn't share that with me on the phone. Mm -hmm. And it turns out, my goodness, you have bonus income that you've been receiving for the last three years, or you have commission income that you're earning, or you have overtime or what we call shift differential if they're in the um, healthcare industry. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of variables there that we say, come back and say, you know, you qualify for a little bit more. And you were talking about this other home you liked, but you didn't think you could afford it. Did you forget about this other income? You're on the <laughs> right, totally. Oh my goodness. You're right. I can't, I'm like, you know what? That's okay. We just found you some money. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky you. And, and, and just, is it still affordable? Um, but it's interesting. The things we do learn and find and share with our clients to, to help them make sure they're at their uh, best in, in buying a place. And again, always never over indebting them. Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost. So I think that kind of wraps up the do's and the do's and don'ts, the myths um, on first time home buying. Anything that maybe we missed, Mitch, that you that you're thinking of? Uh, the only piece that comes up quite a bit, I would say, is um, accessing or using a co-borrower when needed to help qualify for either more of a home or if you're going to buy together with say a friend or a partner or a fiance or what have you, uh, combining incomes could help someone qualify for more of a home based on the cost of housing that they would need to, in order to get to that level, uh, that they could buy together. And then there's a, uh, computation that we just add everybody's information together and run numbers based on that as opposed to the person trying to buy that by themselves. So it does open up the door, it gives a little more flexibility in price range. And um, it's worked out very well. And we see a lot of that with uh, children in college or children and their parents. Yeah. Uh, especially with the first time home buyers, they, uh, they kind of tie their resources together and it opens up the door for different possibilities that make it a little bit easier for the buyer to, to qualify. 
And then sometime down the line, they could look to refinance and take their parents off the loan right. and keep it under their name only. And now they own a home and they're by themselves. Right, so right. A great door opener. You know, I was just thinking too, there, there, uh, another topic, one other kind of myth. Let's just say you have a couple hiccups on your credit. So I think of medical collections, right? Like they're notorious for wrecking credit for somebody that's been actually pretty responsible, you know, made of all, made all their payments. Uh, anybody that's ever been to the hospital, you realize you have literally probably 20 different, you know, bills coming at you and it's your first time. What programs do we have to help people who are sitting there and going, well, you know, I, I've got that medical collection looming over me, or I had this one dispute from, from identity theft or something like that. I mean, I, how can we help, how can we help some of these folks? Well, we, yeah, with a lot of uh, experience in that, um, years and years ago, when we started doing, when I started doing mortgage banking, we actually were able to be much more involved in helping our clients clean up or repair their credit. Mm-hmm. Um, but nowadays we really can't because that would be fraud. And we would be saying that we're, we're those, we are the client getting on the phone trying to negotiate and repair their credit. We used to do it with them on the phone, um, and help because we knew the buzzwords. We knew how to, how to phrase things, but, um, with someone nowadays, so there's, there's quite a bit of flexibility around anything medical related on a credit report. So it's not as serious as people think. Um, oftentimes medical collection accounts are completely avoided. They're not even looked at in an underwriting capacity for a new home loan, uh, especially under the FHA loan program. So that becomes a moot point, but a lot of people find that is a very detrimental to even wanting to talk to a person totally. people like you yeah, and I. Totally. Because like I have $5,000 in medical collections. I can't do anything. Right. And reality is that's immaterial for, for different loan programs. Absolutely. Um, but there are other items that could show up where there are either credit restoration companies that could help. There are individuals who have opened up their own kind of private practice in helping people that are a little bit more hands-on with their clients. So that's who we tend to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes I can give sufficient advice for the client of what to do, who to call, what to say when they call right. and see what the outcome is and see if that outcome is uh, favorable to help them be able to purchase a home or get a better interest rate by raising their credit scores. That's exactly so right. A variety of things that, yeah, that, that topic is a big topic and can be discussed in one of other get togethers. I think it can. So yeah, uh, I think it will be. <laughs> I'm excited about the series. So this is um, the myths again and facts and uh, about first time home buyer experience and the do's and don'ts, as Mitch would say, the four pillars. And I'm looking forward to continuing down the road with uh, some some more pieces. So. Anything else before Excellent. we, as am I, yeah, no, I think, I think we touched on a lot of good information uh, that's worthy of consideration in buying your first home and what to think about and see how it fits into other people's lives and when they're ready. And um, there's so much more to know. So uh, we're here to help. What's a good phone number or email for folks to reach you if they have questions? My uh, direct line for my cell phone number is area code 720-434. Four seven eight four, and my direct email address is Mitch M I T C H at thefriedmangroup.net. And the Friedman Group is spelled the T H E Friedman spelled like fried F R I E D M A N. We're in Colorado, right? So I guess that's fitting. Group G R O U P. <laughs> so the freedmangroup.net and not .com. 
a lot of people do.com. And I say, I never got your email. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that is funny. Yeah. So, uh, in this series is what's a, what are you titling? And I saw the artwork today. It looked awesome. Uh, the series is called pivot lending groups, mortgage update with Mitch Friedman. Perfect. All right. It's very succinct and it, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in, I think moving forward to this one, probably a little bit longer uh, in time and length than maybe future ones, but uh, it gave, gave us a little bit more time to explain what was going to be happening in the series. And, and I think this first one really is a big one. And, and I know you had mentioned two or three times you wanted to start out with the first time home buyer. And uh, I think we covered a lot of great things for folks. So, yes, I agree. And of course, I'm excited for uh, people to hear the information and use it as they see fit and learn and grow from it and hopefully uh, be able to buy their first home as soon as they can. All right. Sounds great. Well, Mitch, take care, man. We'll talk to you soon. Excellent. Back at you. Thank you so much. This episode was brought to you by Pivot Lending Group, NMLS 10995. Copyright 2021, Pivot, all rights reserved. Financial Funding Solutions Incorporated, TBA Pivot Lending Group, 10397 West Centennial Road, Littleton, Colorado, 80127. Pivot does business in accordance with the Fair Housing Law and Equal Credit Opportunity Act. Pivot Lending is regulated by the Division of Real Estate, Colorado. To learn more or find a full listing of our state licensing, visit pivotlending.com or nmlsconsumeraccess.org.